The scripture for today's sermon comes from Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. The word of God speaks to us. Therefore, brothers, since we have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus, by the new and living way that he opened for us through the curtain, that is, through his flesh, and since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a true heart and full assurance of faith, with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold fast the confession of our hope without wavering, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. This is God's word to us. Thanks be to God. All right. Hey, uh, my name is Charlie Hall. I'm glad to get to be with you guys this morning. I'll, I'll tell you what's going on inside of my heart right now, which I should not talk about this too much, too, too often. But every time I get up in front of people, what goes on in my heart is, oh my God, what am I going to say? I get so scared. And then, oh Lord, please don't help me, please don't let me scar anybody in the room. So anyways, glad you're here. <clears throat> Poet and philosopher Henry David Thoreau said, I wished to live deliberately to face only the essential facts of life and see if I could not learn what it had to teach. And not, when I came to die, discover that I had not lived. I wanted to, deli- I wanted to live deep and suck out all the marrow of life. We all really want the fullness of life. And we need these rhythms of grace to get us to that greatest desire in our most alone times when we're driving or taking a walk or a hike or we're just in our room alone at night at the edge of the bed, our soul starts to speak, starts to desire something deeper, something, something more, something holy, something set apart, something that doesn't need attachments or addictions to make life feel okay. And I've had this moment a few times in my life, and in one of those moments, as my soul began to speak in some quieter times, uh, there was four things that came up. Uh, Four, what I've come to think of as four little seeds that I'm asked to protect and to watch over and to make sure as life starts to feel off or crazy by my own hand or by life's, uh, that I protect these four little seeds. And real quickly, these four little seeds are just my communion with God. Like I need to watch over that, protect it. My time with God, my walk with God, my pursuit of God, and my just reception of his love for me. Uh, The second little seed is spiritual friendship. Just friends that will watch out for me, get my back, I can get their back. Our our eyes are both focused on Jesus. And uh, those spiritual friendships are, are hard to gain and cherish to keep. It's a little seed I wanna protect. The third thing is just how to play well in this world with God's gifts. God gives so much beauty down here and I wanna play in this world really well. 
I want as I get older for my laugh to get louder and for me to eat better food and for me to love my wife better. I I wanna live a big life and play in this world really well. And the fourth seed is just that I would give my life away over and over. That I, day in, day out, that my prayer would be, God, would you show me where to give my life, how to lay my life down, and where to live for you in laying that down. So we need these rhythms of grace to get us to our greatest desires, our fullest of life. These rhythms of grace that we've been talking about are stepping stones to get to that desire. They're tangible ways to experience the burning heart of God. They are roots and they are anchors in a rootless and anchorless world. In early marriage, Sarah and I had an argument. It was our only argument in marriage so far. Uh, We had an argument at night. We couldn't shut that argument down. It was time to go to sleep. We turn off the light. You hear the exhale. We're both frustrated. If you're married and you've had this moment, you feel the space in the bed is just feels like you have a king-size bed when you really have a queen-size bed. The space was just, the space was so wide. And even in our frustration, her hand reaches out and my hand reaches out and we just hold hands. And it's not that everything got better. We were still angry. You could feel the heat, not the good heat, the, <laughs> the angry heat. But we fell asleep like that and that's, That's grace. That's choosing something that gets you to your greatest desire. Today, as we talk about rhythms of grace, we want to talk about the Lord's Lord's day. Today, the Lord's day. So as Prince said in his 80s smash hit, let's go crazy, let's get nuts, let's talk about this thing. Will you pray for me? I'm going to pray for you. Hey, could we all just um, welcome the presence of God together? God, we welcome you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. We welcome you to speak. We just want to say out loud that our thoughts aren't like your thoughts and our ways aren't like your ways. So would you come? Would you bring us life? We love you, Jesus. We need your help. In your name, all the people said, amen. Okay, so... This is the Lord's Day, and I want to build a distinction between the Lord's Day and going to church. So the Lord's Day is a day of coming around Jesus' resurrection, that he's given us a new and living way. So let me draw this distinction between the Lord's Day and just church. God bless the Bible Belt, but it gave us a lot of problems. So what was meant to be powerful became just symbol and performance. Like a picture of a picture of a picture of a picture. You can't even figure out what was in that original picture. It's like the first time you heard Eddie Vedder's voice from Pearl Jam. It felt like he was coming out of the radio and grabbing your shirt and pulling you in. And you're like, that's amazing. And then a handful of years Later, you hear Scott Stapp from Creed, and there's something familiar but irritating. (laughs) That's a picture of a picture of a picture. It stops making sense. And so even today, some of us are here, and we don't know why we're here. 
We just know it's good and right to go to church. Or maybe there's friendship here. And so I want to offer like a return to the original picture of what I think Jesus calls us to on this day. So to the church hurt, to the skeptic, to the prodigal, please hang in there with me. I'm not just talking about attendance or getting our membership up. My own church journey has been wrought with its own pain, mountains, and valleys. I was, a, I was a church kid, then I was a rebellious church kid, then I was just rebellious, and then I was radically saved, and then I was a young, charismatic minister, and then early 2000s, life fell apart at the seams, and I was left just devastated. And I sat in the back of a church that I had helped plant and been a, been a part of for 12 years, and I had the thought, I don't fit with these people. It's a strange thought for a faithful follower of Jesus. They don't fit here anymore. These people are good. They're lifting their hands. They look like they actually love Jesus, you know, and that's what I claim. But here I am on the back row, pretty devastated. And for a couple of years, I just walked away from church. I didn't walk away from God. I deconstructed before deconstruction was cool, and I had a name for it, you know. And God just faithfully walked with me. As I look back, I can see his faithfulness with me. For two years, I was not a part of a, a local church gathering. And I just tried to walk with God and be a faithful man best I could. I had lots and lots of pain and devastation that I was working through. But I just kept walking. And I found myself just down the street in an, in an Episcopal church, uh, Noonday Communion. And I walked in there, my, I felt like my head was broken, my heart was broken, and we took communion, and we, we proclaimed the mystery of faith. Christ has died, Christ is risen, Christ will come again, and I felt everything just realign inside of me. And 12 years ago, almost 12 years ago, I walked in the back of Frontline Church when we met on Broadway, and I metaphorically unzipped my chest. And I said, God, you're going to have to help me love your church. You're going to have to help me love your people. You're going to have to help me love your wife. And I began to rediscover just a little bit at a time the original picture of God's heart for the Lord's day. What many of us would just be like, church, yeah. John Stott says, Christianity is, in its very essence, a resurrection religion. The concept of resurrection lies at its heart, and if you remove it, Christianity is destroyed. So with resurrection at center, a new and living way invites you and I to be resurrected. The original picture is that we are a resurrection people, followers of a resurrected king, and the Lord's Day is all about our Lord that was raised from the dead. So gathering on the Lord's Day is a natural response of who we've been made to be in Jesus. And not just that. We need consistent resurrections in our life. Let me read Hebrews 10, 19, and 20. Therefore, brothers and sisters, we now have confidence to enter the holy places by the blood of Jesus by the new and living way that he opened for us 
through the curtain, that is, through his flesh. The Lord's day, this day, is a celebration of the risen Lord and of new creation. He's making all things new. The Lord's day is encountering the living God in his word, his prayers, and his people. It is the core activity of the visible church. It reminds us of who we are, what God's done, and how we're used in this world. The Lord's day is an anchor of grace that buoys us to the finish line. I have a consistent fear of God, will I make it to the end? How can I make it to the end? Life is crazy, and the more often I show up to this day, I get carried from one Sunday to the next, and now 30 years has gone by, and I've walked with Jesus, and more than that, he's walked with me. The resurrection gave Jesus' early followers and us a new and living way. I want to read this quote from Adrian Warnock's Raised with Christ. After Jesus was raised from the dead, the resurrected Lord appeared to hundreds of men and women, hundreds of them, transforming fearful doubters to boldly proclaiming Christ's death and resurrection. These fearful doubters were transformed and willing to endure persecution and even die for this reality of resurrection. As a result of this proclamation, the church was born and grew with Sunday as the primary day of worship, calling it the Lord's Day. The church did not create the resurrection stories. Instead, the resurrection stories created the church. Somebody say amen. The Lord's Day is the celebration of a new and living way. Let me just remind you of a handful of things out of hundreds that the resurrection does for us and has done for us and is doing for us. The resurrection triggered the sending of the Holy Spirit. God was even closer. It gives us the assurance that the gospel is true, forgiveness of and freedom from the power of sin, salvation by union with Jesus. The resurrection gave us Jesus as the head of the church. Physical healings, comfort for the dying meets us in our weakness. The resurrection sent gospel messengers all over the world. The resurrection is a promise that God is making all things new. John Piper once told me in a book that I was reading of his, <laughs> and the meaning of that day is that Jesus is risen and Jesus is Lord, and Jesus is creator, and Jesus is redeemer, and Jesus is the only place of rest for the soul. It's a day for worshiping Jesus. It's a day for saying by what we do and don't do that Jesus, not our work and not the money we get from work, is our treasure and our meaning. It is a special day for the honor and the glory of the Lord, a day for mercy and for man. Jesus' crucifixion and resurrection gave us a new and living way, and we need this way to meet us in our stories. We've been made a beautiful and peculiar people, but we have some heavy stories. My son, who's now 22, at one time was younger than he is now, like many of your kids. When he was about nine, he had grown up around a lot of artists and creatives and peculiar dressed people that in a season were making a living being creators and artists. And he just loved that. He loved being around those people. So fun. 
And one day I took him down to lunch uh, during the work week down to Marky's Deli when it used to be there. And uh, we had lunch and all the businessmen were around. All the business, they were wearing suits, they had briefcases, they were having business meetings over lunch and he was just kind of looking around. And then he looked at me and said, Dad, are these the people that didn't go to college? I said, yes, son. I say that because I think often the church is seen upside down in terms of like, hey, we're, we're the good people or, you know, we're the ones that got it all together, uh, all those things that people may think, and maybe some of you think that in this room, and maybe you feel like I did a handful of years ago where I didn't feel like I fit with all these good people anymore. But the truth is, we are a room full of really hard stories, both in our past, both currently, and probably some to come. And we're a room full of stories embodying and inhabiting the greatest story of resurrection, best we know how. If I were to spout off this list that I'm about to spout off and have you raise your hands, by the end of this list, most of us would have our hand up. But we are a room full of stories that have been touched by Cancer, if not us, somebody close to us. Divorce, if not us, somebody close to us. All kinds of losses, depression, anxiety, addiction, and I'm talking about just us in the room. Suffering, sin, and brokenness. Our hearts have been orphaned in a thousand ways. Our hearts have been widowed in a thousand ways. We were the people, and we are the people, asking, is anyone looking for me? Is anyone coming for me? And the Lord's day is a day that answers yes. Jesus has done all the work to bend low toward us, to come for us. God reaching toward us when we could not reach him. God has seen us. He has come for us. He does move toward us. Toward us. And our story collides, our busted up stories collide with the resurrection story of the gospel as we celebrate the Lord's day week in and week out. Let me read Hebrews 10, 21 and 22. And since we have a great high priest, since we have a great priest over the house of God, come on guys, let us draw near with true heart and full assurance of faith with our hearts sprinkled clean from an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. We have our broken stories, but we enter God's story week in, week out here. The Lord's day is a day to draw near with a true heart, draw near with full assurance because of Jesus' resurrection. Our busted stories are caught up in the most beautiful story of his resurrection. All of the prodigal pieces of our heart get invited home. And week in, week out, we see the Father open his arms so wide in Jesus. Before we even say a word, he sees us coming and he moves toward us. And he falls on us and he hugs us. And with tears in his eyes, he reminds us of who we are. And he takes us back to where we belong, his home, his life. And he celebrates us. In God's story, someone was looking for us. In God's story, we were buoyed up and carried to the final feast. 
In God's story, in the face of Jesus, we see the face of God. We hear the voice of God. We feel the heart of God. The Lord's Day rehearses a narrative that overcomes all of our smaller narratives. The Lord's Day is a place to embody the great story of God and to come back to God's original intention of what this day is. I hope you're starting to see, like, it's not about enjoying the band and the, and the speaker. It's about a resurrected king and a people that he's brought back to life that just day in, day out, week in, week out, keep coming back together. Because in that story, he takes our stories, we merge together, and a new story comes to life. It's, not, it's no longer just a room of hard stories. Like if we weren't gathered around the resurrection of Jesus, it might just be a sad room of hard stories. We're no longer just a room of hard stories. We're a blood-bought community of the cross and resurrection of Jesus. This church is no longer just a building, not brick and mortar. It's a gospel mouthhouse. This is the place where our hunger and thirst and expectancy of Jesus gets stoked. In this tangible and mysterious gathering, the church practices heaven, all eyes on Jesus, whether it's because you love him or you know that you need him or you're curious about him. In this place, in the company of saints and angels and martyrs and elders and creation and the church visible and invisible, we see the resurrected Jesus in the physical presence of other people, God's kids gathered around him, brothers and sisters. This gathering is just a natural overflow of who we are. It's not just a place that you have to show up to or that you're trying to check some sort of box. This, we gather here because this is who we are. We've been bought. We've been changed. We've been brought back to life. This is the place in our new story because of God's story that we inhabit a new narrative of the gospel. We get to feast on all the benefits of the resurrection. The Lord's Day is about the celebration of the resurrection how he's re resurrected us in our story. And this day is a day to gather, remember, and rehearse the gospel. We are a people with a confession of hope. And this hour and 15 minutes is built around a confession of hope. Let me read verse 23. Hebrews 10, let us hold fast. Hold on, guys. The confession of our hope without wavering. The waves are coming at us. The wind is coming at us. Hold on is what it's saying. We have a confession of hope for he who promised is faithful. This confession of hope is built inside of our liturgy here. I'll just ex explain liturgy in the, in the briefest ways. It's just an order. You have a liturgy to your life. You have a liturgy in the way that you carry out your day. We have a liturgy here that moves us through and helps us hold fast our confession of hope. So if the question was, how do we practice this resurrection story? How do we hold fast to our confession of hope? It's kind of like when you fall 
in a kind of love that you want to keep or be kept by, you build structures around it. Structures that can help maintain it and hold it together when internal or external fire comes. A kind of structure that helps you tend to it. Something tangible around it. A liturgy is a structure of worship intended to help us rehearse the resurrection story. And if you're anything like me, I will leave this day having preached this three times and I'll start driving and I'll be like, I don't even remember sometimes the gospel, the resurrection. And so we come here to recall it, to remember it, to rehearse it. A liturgy invites us to enter the great story with your most real story so that it can restory us. A liturgy unites the spirit of God and the word of God to stoke our desires and affections for God. A liturgy embodies and puts flesh on our desires because if you just desire and have nowhere to put it, no handholds, then it's just desire that's aimless. This aims our desire. It moves us forward. Our practice of the resurrection and God making all things new is just an overflow of who we are. I am actually my most real on the Lord's day. My confession of sin, my longing, my surrender. Someone from one of the other congregations once said, hey, basically what you've done is trained us to applaud and go crazy after we hear the assurance. And I'm like, yes, but also when in life do you applaud what God has done? So it's a moment that you get to choose and go, I'm going to celebrate this right now. We're at our most real in this moment. Our confession, our longing, remembering he who promised is faithful. And Jesus is faithful. And this liturgy, this confession of hope carries us through. I don't know how you got here today. You know, I think sometimes... We crawl into this place. Sometimes we don't even want to be here. We have to fight our way here because of kids or life or pain or whatever it is. Some of you literally fought on the way here. That was supposed to be funnier. Um, but once you get here, to hear the call to worship and be reminded that God has been at work He's been at work in our lives, that you didn't make up this faith, that you didn't create the worship that's about to happen. It's been going on, that you get to join the chant of heaven and earth, angels and elders, saints and martyrs, holy, holy, holy. And we start to sing, and the desire for God and his desire for us creates this bonfire of life and, and hope. As we sing, there's this megaphone of the gospel, and the gospel is the power of God to save. As we're singing about the gospel, it's falling on hearts and ears in this place in a way that wouldn't happen outside of these walls. When we start to sing and worship, it is warfare against the enemies of God and the gospel Singing and hearing the word of God is like a fountain of truth. We sing it, we proclaim it, and it falls back on our ears, and it changes who we are, to confess our sin, to come in here and pause and be like, yeah, 
I am broken, I've sinned, I need to return to God over and over, and then to be assured because of what God has done, and to feel that gospel story collide with our sin story, it reminds us of new life and resurrection. To pause and to intercede and to be in God's presence on behalf of a broken world, knowing that God is acting and shaping history in our prayers, bringing justice as our prayers reflect the kingdom of God and long for the return of Christ and the restoration of all things. In our prayers, we come expectantly asking God to do on earth as it is in heaven, pleading that the enchanted world of God's power and presence would break into planet earth. As we pause and we pass the peace in our welcome and we get to enter the Holy Trinity, the Father, the Son, the Holy Spirit, their beautiful love and relationship with, their, with each other, their unbroken relationship, we get to pass that peace and experience that together. To stand beneath the fountain of God's word and the Holy Scripture as it forms Jesus in us. To help us see and feel and hear the world in a different way than what we did before we came in. To receive the communion feast of grace with tears in our eyes and laughs, remembering the cross, that Jesus is making all things new and that Jesus is making us new to open our hands together and to lift our eyes under the blessing and authority of Scripture at the end, to get to leave underneath that blessing and to be sent back into a missional living, giving your life away, to love and heal the world, that by the power of the Spirit, God's people might offer renewal to the world, beauty for ashes. This is our living confession of hope. That Jesus is faithful and as we practice his presence, his ways, his word, we can shake off the lies of this world. Kevin Twitt said it like this, an unfortunate last name. Isn't that a beautiful picture of what worship should be about? We gather to sing our songs so we will know the truth so well that we can go out in the world and we say, we don't believe your lies anymore. We won't be squeezed into your mold. And so we can speak to our fearful hearts and say, heart, I don't believe your lies anymore either. Or as Charles Wesley put it, arise my soul, arise, shake off your guilty fear. Because Jesus can trump even what my heart says, and Jesus does trump our hearts as he becomes beautiful and believable to you. That is why we gather and worship. God is using this gathering to mold us to the truth, restore our sanity, and open our eyes to see Jesus as beautiful and believable. The Lord's day is giving us truth. It's restoring our sanity, and it's opening our eyes to Jesus God's presence as we gather, where there's three or more gathered, there he is. And as we gather together with him, it's like bread and breath to our souls. I want to close with verse 24 and 25 and just talk briefly about being a people of his presence. And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works. Not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, 
but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day drawing near. We want to be a people of God's presence and we want to be a people of presence with each other. This is the third time I'll say this, but it's important. The Lord's day is just a natural overflow of who we are and we are meant to gather to celebrate Jesus' resurrection and the truth that he is making all things new and we're meant to do that together. We need rhythms of grace to get us to our greatest desires. For me, that's those four little seeds I wanna protect. Communion with God, my spiritual friendship, how to play really well in this world with God's gifts, and how to give my life away. We need all these rhythms, and the Lord's Day is one more really powerful rhythm. Where it may be hard for you to sit down and read the Bible, you show up here, and all those beautiful things are happening, and you get to rehearse the story of God. As we gather, God's presence meets us. His presence does permeate the earth. Yes, when you go to the restaurant today, his presence is there. It might meet you while you drive as you listen to a song or a podcast. You might get met by God's presence. But here, it's a place of intentionality. It's a place of practice. It's a place of rehearsal. It's a place of Jesus' resurrection with the other sons and daughters coming around him. We are a religion of relationship. I like that. Presence with God and each other. There were many, many difficult things about COVID, but one of them is for a few months, we weren't able to be who we are, a people of presence with each other. We were not made for independence. Although our hearts long for that, we were made for interdependence, each other's presence and God's presence. We're called to stir each other up in love and good works. I like to stir my family up with frustration, but we're called to stir each other up with love and good works. Yes, it can happen elsewhere, but it's happening here with intentionality. Hebrews 10, 25, again, don't give up meeting together. I know it's hard. I know life gets crazy. Schedules get crazy. We get exhausted. We're frustrated maybe even with, with someone in this room. We're tired of showing up here because we might see them. Sometimes I think, and as I look back at my couple years that I didn't go to a local gathering at a church, and I would have said off the record my problem was with the people of God. I think in that moment, though, as I look back and reflect, I think my problem was with God. And God was doing everything and has done everything to reach toward me, to reach towards you. And in the resurrection, Sunday after Sunday, we come around that. And our stories are resurrected again and again. We are people of God's presence in the presence of each other. A couple thoughts in closing. On the morning that Jesus rose from the dead, before it had gotten out, there was a couple of disciples uh, on the road, just kind of sitting there. They were in despair. They were busted up about Jesus, their king, being dead. 
And then Jesus shows up to him, and he's, their eyes are disguised to who he is. And they go on this seven-mile walk with Jesus. Might be good for some of us to go on a seven-mile walk with Jesus. They go on this seven-mile walk with Jesus, and at the end, their semi-frustration with him when he first showed up changes to, they're actually grabbing onto his arm, and they're saying, you got to come in here with us and eat. So he goes in, and he breaks the bread and as soon as he breaks that bread, their eyes are opened. He disappears. But as they reflect on that seven-mile walk with the resurrected Jesus, they say, didn't our hearts burn inside of us? And that's what this moment is. Meant to come here over and over, week after week, to be around the resurrected Jesus in the presence of others to break this bread and once again have our eyes opened to a resurrected king that resurrects us. Thank you, man. There's three feasts. There's a rebel feast where everything was broken. There is a righteous feast coming where he is making all things new. We need all things being made new. We need our tears wiped from our eyes. But while we wait for that feast and while we look back there, and we ask the question, how am I going to make it through? We stand at the communion feast.